The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. Hello, and thank you for joining me today for Weekends. This is day one of the two-day extravaganza as it's becoming to be. Goodness me, we've had a lot of luck, or maybe it's good work, but the guests that we're getting on this show, and of course across TNT Radio, astonishes even me. I sit there and I look back and think, wow, how do we manage to do that? Well, I guess you get to do that when you put in the hard yards and you work as hard as we do here at TNT to make sure we continually bring you the best and the latest in the news independently around the world. And sometimes it goes against the grain. That means that we don't necessarily always follow the news of the day. Maybe we're even in the business of showing you the news of tomorrow or what's coming up. And in today's show, that will be no different. And I'm going to introduce you to a fantastic brand new guest that you may or may not have heard of in just a few moments time. Let me tell you about what we've got coming up for the weekend, just so you know that this is the place where you want to be. Even if they are playing the rugby league out of Las Vegas, you'll think, oh, so what? We want to stay on TNT and see what Jason and the team has got for us. Well, as I said, and coming up in the first hour is Praying Medic. That's right, Dave Hayes will be here very, very soon. We're going to have a deep dive into a whole bunch of different conversations on the work he's doing. Did you know that Dave's written a number of different books? And we'll be talking about that as well. In the second hour on today's show, Father Tony Percy, who has been on TNT Radio in the past, he was telling us about the Calvary Hospital in Canberra and the decision of the government to take it off the hands of of the Catholic Church last year. Well, we're going to talk to Tony today about a book that he's written called Australia. What went wrong? What went right? And we'll talk about what that history is all about and where he got his inspiration from. And in the final hour, James Roguski will be here. And I don't think there's a person in independent media not aware of the incredible amount of work and intensity that James puts into uncovering what that sneaky World Health Organization, that private organization linked to the United Nations, is planning to do to take away yours and my medical sovereignty. Or pretending that they're not going to, of course, because it just so happens that they have got the ability to look into a crystal ball, see around corners, and tell us that there is yet another virus or disease or sickness coming for us. And the only way that we survive it is to do exactly what Tedros tells us to do, even though the man's not even a doctor can't even tell his own Ethiopian country on three separate occasions, goodness me, that they have had a cholera outbreak. Cholera characterised by acute watery diarrhoea that if not diagnosed correctly can result in death. Well, on three occasions, Tedros's answer was, we didn't have good enough testing or testing available, so we didn't really know that it was cholera. That's the guy who's leading the world, and there are some people telling us that he may well be the first ever resident of Earth if we ever get into a global government. You scratch your head and you wonder who makes this stuff up. Well, we got a bit of a surprise this week when we heard that Jacob Rothschild had died at the age of 87. Certainly took me by surprise. One would have thought that with all of this idea that there is a globalist regime controlling the world and searching for one world government, that someone like Rothschild would have the money and the power to keep himself alive to see it usher in. And yet he didn't. 
just like Henry Kissinger passed away last year at the age of 100. That too was a bit of a shock, even though at 100, and Henry Kissinger was not exactly the healthiest looking man in the world, he made it that far, outliving Rothschild, perhaps his boss, by 13 years. Very interesting story there. And of course, the case against Donald Trump, or the cases, just seems to get wilder and wilder and wilder, doesn't it? When you look at what's going on in the US with the Fannie Willis case and the embarrassing situation there that the district attorney looks about as trustworthy as somebody who, when I interviewed Mark Murray a couple of weeks ago in the Rogers or Rogerson era, uh, Nettie Smith, perhaps one of those, you can't really tell the difference between the goodies and the baddies anymore when it comes to what you're supposed to believe. And of course, the Bidens are out there telling us that they're as innocent as all, with uh, Biden's brother now admitting that he took some money uh, that's coming from China. So you, you just look at it and you shake your head and you wonder what really is the problem that we can't get to the bottom of it. And then you realise that uh, perhaps all of us are just stuck in a very, very strange world where you think that the people will eventually, or at least the people in power will react and do something but no, they don't. We heard yesterday in the uh, in Australia that uh, Dr. Fidge had his case rejected on the grounds of no standing in a case where he brought to the attention that GMOs were being used in Pfizer and in Moderna vaccines. And of course, that case was thrown out, which is yet another case. I'll talk a bit more about that with James Roguski in a moment. Well, I'm here to tell you that my first guest is just about warmed up and I'll get my, I'll get something in my ear in a moment to tell me that we're ready to go. And his name is Dave Hayes. Let me tell you a little bit about Praying Medic because that's probably how most people will know or remember that they remember that term being used when we'll get back into that in a little while. Uh, as long as seven years ago, who would have thought the 2016, eight years, goodness me, where does time go? But Praying Medic is a licensed amateur radio operator and the first critical care paramedic licensed in the state of Washington. During his 35-year career as a paramedic, he taught advanced cardiac and basic trauma life support, high ankle rescue and community preparedness. Since 2009, he's written about the miracles God has done through his ministry. His goal is to teach others to live as ambassadors of God's kingdom. His books, articles, and videos inspire and challenge believers to enter into a deeper relationship with God. Dave Hayes, welcome to Weekends. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure to be here. Good to see you, Dave, and good to hear your voice. And we have been following you for a very, very long time. Uh, and it was probably in, in, in the days where you were known as Praying Medic. And, uh, and, and what we were learning at the time was that we learned to trust, firstly, our intuition, that there was something very, very wrong in uh, what was going on in the US election of presidential election of 2016. Many of us came to it in the disappointing Obama years. And this is how this sort of history backtracks. I, for one, was a bit of a left for a long time in my life. I just thought it was the right thing to do. We um, Now, I might have lost my camera there. Uh, I'll continue on with that, if you can still hear me. Um, I don't know what's going on with the technical issues today. Let's get that pumping back up for you. Um, I can hear you fine. You've got me fine there. Look, apologies for that, guys. Um, I don't know what it is with the technology, but let's throw to you, Dave, for a quick intro while I get my camera sorted out at my end. Can you tell us a bit about how, first of all, how you became the praying medic on the political scene? Uh, yeah, well, interesting story. Um, I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> uh, as you said, I worked for 35 years as a paramedic. Uh, the last seven or eight years of my career, uh, interestingly, I ended up praying for a lot of my patients uh, in the ambulance. I transported them. 
yes, a former atheist uh, became a Christian, and then God told me he wanted me to pray for my patients, and I would see them healed. Eventually, I got around to understanding the concepts of uh, divine authority and power, and I started seeing miraculous healing. And then in 2015, 2016, my life and ministry took a kind of a hard right turn. Um, God started speaking to me about President Trump and uh, institutional corruption, particularly in government. And I, I really had not a lot of interest in government and politics. My wife is very interested in that. I wasn't. But, you know, God was pretty persistent. <laughs> He's like, look, this stuff is important. I want you to take it seriously. So I started following um, the House Intelligence Committee investigation of Spygate during the leading up to the 2016 election. And then following on after that with Comey and the Mueller investigation and all the uh, shenanigans going on in the FBI and the DOJ. So that's kind of how I got uh, involved in the political scene. It's a fascinating story because anyone who was following along at the time felt compelled one way or another to make a contribution in this space was to be able to share information that we could clearly tell wasn't being given to us by the mainstream media. And we've all found it very, very disappointing. And of course, the information, these deep dives that we got ourselves into was fascinating. There was so much information around uh, at the time. And of course, uh, this is what led Hillary Clinton one day that we needed fact checkers. Um, just again, we've got some uh, camera issues, some technical issues today. I, I can't quite explain uh, what's going on with the camera. So apologies for that, everyone. Um, so we might have to cut back to that. We have gone through all the technical work there, Dave. Uh, it, it's quite unusual what, what, what's happening here. The gremlins are here. Perhaps they realise, Dave, that you're here today and want to make it as difficult as possible. But can you just recap? It's very interesting that you came up with that. You're following Comey. What was your reaction? Can you even remember when Comey came out to give the decision against Hillary Clinton for this oh. uh, keeping of classified intel? I mean, the shaking your head there says the same for me. I couldn't believe what I was seeing when Comey came out and apologised for something that he said she had no intent, but the statute said no intent was required. Was it that obvious to you as well? Yeah, it was It was obvious to me and everyone in my circle. We all knew exactly what it was. Uh, I, at, by that time, I had learned enough about the Department of Justice and FBI, and I was following people on Twitter who were pretty well informed uh, about how that system works. And the FBI director is never in charge of making an announcement regarding a charging decision on a criminal investigation. That always belongs to the Department of Justice, a U.S. attorney, maybe the attorney general. That decision is never made by or announced by an FBI director. FBI just investigates crimes. They don't charge. So to have Comey come out there and make this announcement, um, everyone realized what was going on. It was a sham. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, just before Comey made that that announcement, I was on 4chan, on, on the um, internet messaging board 4chan, and a, an anonymous person dropped on that board a couple of days before Comey made that announcement. And he said that he was, this person was, um, intimately uh, involved and familiar with the Clinton investigation at the FBI. And he had information about the FBI's ongoing investigation. He explained how the, the FBI was in a panic. They didn't know what to do. They were afraid 
that if they didn't charge Hillary, there would be some kind of a riot. Uh, and this anonymous person for two days answered questions, posted information on this board, on, on the 4chan board, and his he became known as FBI Anon. And he gave us a lot of very good information that a lot of it turned out to be true. Um, in in uh, he, gave, he gave us some kind of insider information on what the FBI had been doing with, with respect to the various entities related to the Clinton Foundation. Anyway, it that was kind of my first introduction to uh, to 4chan and anonymous intelligence insiders, which a year later would be would become very re relevant to my life. But back to the Comey thing, yeah, it was um, it was kind of a hoax. We all knew that it was it, it was just corruption in Washington D.C. at its finest. So disappointing that we saw that. And, of course, at the time, uh, Bernie Sanders was still the front runner. He was getting 80,000 to, uh, to, 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 you know, stadiums each each week. Mm -hmm. Hillary was lucky to fill a town hall. It was very obvious what was going on. For mine, yep. when the Californian primary, I remember I was at the airport dropping someone off and listening to it on, on uh, through my phone, and uh, the results came in 58 to 42. It, they were counting it live, Hillary over Sanders, and we knew at that point that it was a farce because Bill Clinton had come out the night before and was getting booed and was telling everyone one that Hillary had it in the bag. It was that obvious, the corruption. And then, of course, if you fast forward, you've got Debbie Wasserman Schultz telling us that uh, that the uh, Democrats uh, can run a private organisation and don't have to listen to what's going on. So they admitted that they were up to uh, no good in, in that regard. And, of course, this all goes back to Seth Rich now, that it exposed what was going on. Oh, yes. uh, and, of course, Seth Rich being um, uh, maybe the, 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 the um, information supplier to Julian Assange's WikiLeaks. Uh, and, of course, Assange wouldn't give up uh, that sort to Donald Trump when he asked for that in, in that particular case. And one wonders where the mess in all of this comes out. Did you have a sort of a reaction to that whole Seth Rich thing? Did you think that maybe that was where some of the truth may come out? Or, or how did you follow that position? Yeah, I, I have been following it and I'm still following it to this day. I don't know if you're uh, following Ty Clevenger. He is the attorney who's representing uh, Seth Rich's family in the lawsuit against the FBI he is still trying to get a copy of Seth Rich's uh, hard drive from his laptop. There's actually two of them that the FBI has, and they've been ordered by a judge to release that information. They still have not released it. They keep on hiding behind uh, sources and methods and obfuscating and putting up smoke signals. Um, it's a very frustrating issue. Yeah, I, I was optimistic that if we got uh, if we got a hold of Seth Rich's laptop, if that information became public, we would then know more about what actually happened. But that information still is not available. This is the hardest thing, isn't it? That you, you're you looking and, and wondering, when does something change? Like it's it's almost like waiting for a, a wave at the beach and you're waiting, 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 and finally it comes in. And, and when we get to that moment, of course, uh, and to mix metaphors again, it, it is a house of cards. It's, it's very, very obvious what we're seeing here is, is so flimsy. I mean, um, when you look at the Epstein story and you look at Prince Andrew and you look at the King, uh, Charles, who's best mates with Jimmy Savile this particular time, and of course, that's all washed under the carpet. And you wonder that these little connections that are out there, the, the connections with the Clinton Foundation, Clinton back to Epstein. The Clinton Foundation, it was, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the investigator that uh, ripped it apart and proved that it was nothing of what it was meant to do. It was meant to be set up to, to build the Clinton Library. And of course, became this uh, incredible money scheme. Uh, and, and then, of course, that was connected with Hillary Clinton and the uh, the private you know email server kept in the bathroom. And, uh, in, in that particular situation, there was the report 
reports from the New York Times about the special access program's intelligence that had been uh, found on Hillary's server. And here we are looking at, um, at Mar-a-Lago and Donald Trump uh, in, in that negotiated situation where he was keeping particular files under lock and key there. But of course, the only criminal uh, charge to go against anyone is um, uh, against Donald Trump, nothing against Joe Biden. He's deemed too- Who, who as the president is the ultimate declassifying authority and has and is the only person in this whole scheme to have a right to to retain classified information and he's the one being charged you can't make this stuff up you certainly can't and i remember you um quoting that you said that cash patel had made the um uh the announcement that uh, trump had in fact declassified uh, a lot of uh, information uh and this was part of the process but you know it's an inconvenient truth like anything isn't it that uh yeah. that this is this, this he, is what yeah, Cash and John Ratcliffe were both involved in that process. But, you know, you have agencies like the CIA, they're told to declassify all the documents they have related to Russiagate. And they say, well, we have sources and methods to protect. We're not going to declassify it, this or this or this. And so they, they just don't do it. And they continue to hide the truth from us. The term classified information is meant to protect national security, of course, but now it seems that it's just used as a smokescreen to protect criminality within power. Uh, and, and of course, that is illegal in itself. And that's a, a story that we can we can talk about a bit later. We certainly covered it here on the program last week. In the meantime, we're going to head towards a break. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with praying medic Dave Hayes here on the show. But uh, just quickly at TNT Radio, we never go home. As you know, we are committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7 online globally, no matter what. We've got you covered on today's News Talk TNT Radio. TNT's Tyler Nixon. I think uh, with the people behind her, the never Trumpers and the money flowing in, whatever their end game is, it doesn't seem that she'll be dropping out even if she loses her, her own state, which uh, kind of gives you a sense of the arrogance of power of people who back uh, the Nikki Haley's of the world where the popular uh, support, popular consent doesn't really doesn't really mean anything to them. They're going to they're going to continue forward uh, seeking that power putting themselves in the mix, regardless of uh, how many spankings or smackdowns they get from uh, from the uh, citizens, you know, from the electorate, uh, who are obviously minor, you know, just a sort of a speed bump in the, in the uh, path and the quest for uh, power. Tyler Nixon on today's News Talk, TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. Welcome back to Weekends. My guest this hour, praying medic Dave Hayes. Dave, there is so much that we can talk about, and it's quite incredible that we recall it almost like you know, eight years ago. It's almost two world wars combined, and yet we remember it like yesterday. Do you think that perhaps the reason we do is that we are at this juncture in history where it really seems to be good versus evil, free will versus hive mind, God versus Satan? Is it that obvious to you as it is to me? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a lot of the reason why these events are being uh, so permanently etched into the mind of people 
in society because a lot of people understand we are at the most critical juncture uh I I think not just for the United States but and not just for the West but for the entire world we are on the, we're on the precipice and the next I think the next year is going to make or break uh the future of our world we're either going to go in a very good direction or we're going to go spiraling down into chaos and and pandemonium and and destruction I think that it, it, it's that obvious uh, to so many people. The, the question that I get a lot from people is, will there, in fact, be a US election in November? Do you have a, an opinion on that one? I certainly do. And I am with General Flynn on this issue. He did an interview a couple of days ago, and he highlighted three possibilities regarding the election. And I, I've been saying the same thing. He said that there's, you know, there are, you know, if you just do game theory, there's three ways that this could work out. Number one is there could be a free and fair election in November. Uh, I'm very skeptical that's going to happen. Uh, we haven't had a free and fair election in the United States in decades. Um, it's just now coming out how rigged and uh, our elections are. The option option number two is we have a we have a rigged election in November. And uh, the underdog, who is uh, 20 points behind the uh, the favorite going a week into the election, somehow manages to pull out a victory. And Biden or Michelle Obama or whoever they end up running against Trump magically pulls out a victory, uh, even though there is zero um, public support for that candidate. If that happens, if we end up with another stolen election, I think there's going to be massive trouble here in the United States. I don't think the American citizens will stand for another stolen election. Uh, yeah. And the third option is uh, mm. we don't have an election. Mm. And that scenario could come up, come about a number of ways. Um, you know, our security agencies have been telling us for a long time that we are going to suffer catastrophic uh, cyber attacks that are going to take down our power grid, our internet, <laughs> cell phone services, they've been signaling to us for a long time, we're gonna have a blackout. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's some kind of an October surprise two or three weeks before the election where we lose power, lose internet, lose cell phone, and they call off the election. Another option is, um, and, and I hate to even think about this, but it seems like the Biden administration wants to get us into a kinetic war with Russia or China. And I wouldn't be surprised if we end up in a full-fledged kinetic war with either China or Russia or both by the end of this year. That would constitute a national emergency, and that could potentially be used as a pretext to cancel an election. That's what Zelensky did in Ukraine. As soon as uh, Russia invades Ukraine, Zelensky decides we're not going to have an election. We have a national emergency, no election, elections off. So I am I am concerned that we're not going to have an election in November. Uh, I just I, I cannot see the deep state handing back power to Trump. If they if they feel like Trump is going to win the election, I strongly believe they'll do everything they can to prevent the election from happening. 
Well, that, that makes total sense, doesn't it? Because we've seen what they're up to cashing in their political capital. They, I mean, they're spending it like more than drunken sailors now. It's just incredible. You've only got to look at the behaviour of Arthur uh, Engeron uh, in, in the um, ridiculous case there against the um, you know, Trump for the, the the property valuation case. It's just the most ridiculous case in history. But what it brings us back to, therefore, Dave, and this is the, the, the part that many people would like to have sophisticated discussion instead of a, uh, a sort of scrape over it and call it a conspiracy. But this is where the concept of Q comes in. If we go back to October of 2017 and that very first post telling us that uh, Hillary Clinton was going to be arrested and uh, there would be a border closure, uh, and if we fast forward and we learn about what was said in that particular um, uh, period of, what, some 5,000 posts, so it's a pretty sophisticated hoax if you want to go down that pathway, but there were many things that were talking about, um, you know, obviously a great awakening, they were talking about peaceful over civil war, how this was a particular occasion, we saw the Joe M video, the same thing. Um, when you put all that together, therefore, um, does does it does it look like that that Q was perhaps used as a as a way to uh, to get into the into the the headspace of the deep state itself to sort of telegraph and see what they would do? Was it a, was it was it a useful tool to educate Trump supporters or those that didn't like what was going on uh, just as much as it was to a uh, bit of an art of war, perhaps, uh, to get into this head and to force mistakes? How do you read it now from a historical perspective, given that it started seven years ago? Yeah, I think uh, your analysis is spot on. Uh, I would say yes to all your questions. Yes, the operation was uh, intended to get inside the heads of the deep state actors and to get them to make uh, blunders and missteps. Good example. You mentioned uh, that first post. And by the way, uh, for the record, a lot of people don't know this. That first post that's on the board that says uh, something like on October 30th at 8 a.m., Hillary Clinton is going to be arrested. Okay. That was not a post by Q. Wow. That, that was a post by an anonymous person on the board who is one of these people claiming to be an intelligence insider. They claim to have intelligence. Uh, saying that Hillary Clinton was going to be arrested on October 30th at this time. If you look at um, that post and look at the response to it, there's two different user ID numbers, meaning that those are two different people talking. So this anonymous person posted that message about Hillary being arrested. Q responded to that post and said, cross-border check, uh, borders closed, uh, security measures in place, to prevent uh, international flight and things of that nature. That was Q's response to that, to, to that post that Hillary was gonna be arrested. Q opened up a disinformation campaign based on that post by that other anonymous person. And what Q did for the next, well, until, uh, let's see, that was October 28th, until September 4th, Q continually posted threats and warnings about uh, John Podesta being arrested, Huma Abedin being arrested and indicted, uh, they're going to be charged, and Hillary, you know, all this information about and, and warnings about Hillary and her circle of people being indicted and arrested. During that same time, Q was also posting about corruption in Saudi Arabia and the Saudi royal family. And so what happened was 
Um, there was a, there was a lot of focus and attention on Hillary and Podesta and Huma and their potential arrest. And on uh, on September fourth, when dozens of members of the Saudi royal family were arrested on corruption charges, people were shocked. They were like, "Wait a minute! Like, hang hang on a second. You were talking about Saudi Arabia in here as well over the last week. Was this?" a distraction of some kind to get attention off of people in Saudi Arabia and to maybe put the attention on um, American political figures. And that's exactly what Q did. Q created a disinformation operation intentionally to get people focusing on American political figures while an operation to arrest corrupt Saudi royal figures was being planned, right? So that's, that's kind of how the whole Q operation started. And, and it's been that way for a long time. And as you said, you know, to get inside the heads of these people, to get them to make mistakes, make missteps. Q, anytime you see Q uh, in the post threatening the arrest of anyone as a prediction in time, someone so-and-so is going to be arrested this month or whatever, that, that post is uh, intentionally disinformation. We learned this over time looking at these posts that all of the promises and threats of arrests and indictments were basically trying to get people to uh, make wrong moves. Q um, didn't ever really intend to make any true predictions about arrests with predictions of dates and times. That was all sort of, it was all um, disinformation and distraction. What Q did to prove that he has uh, has or had intelligence, real, actionable intelligence, was set up these strange coincidences, where you would look back at a post after something happened, after an arrest, after an event happened. You look back at the posts and go, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! When we look back at these posts from three or four weeks ago, that's what you were talking about." And and Q would say, "Yes. Do you think this is a coincidence?" The posts were designed in such a way that you couldn't really see the predictive nature of them until after an event happened. Then you'd look back at previous posts and go, oh, oh, now I get it. I now I understand what Iron Eagle means, you know, or any of the other phrases that were used. So um that's that's kind of my my take. I, I still believe that that's what Q's operation is all about. Uh it and, and yes, to your other question. Um, the point of Q's operation is to uncover evidence of corruption, help people like us learn how to dig and research corruption on our own, find open source information, um, connect the dots, put put together the, the bad actors, figure out what they're doing, and then take that information and give it to our friends and relatives and, and whoever will listen to us. That those are the those are the two main points of the Q operation. It's quite incredible, isn't it? Because when you consider the concept of the Great Awakening uh, juxtaposed against Klaus Schwab coming out and calling the Great Reset, you really wonder who's really holding the puppet strings. For example, Dave, is Klaus Schwab really the top of the food chain or is somebody pulling his strings? He's in a phenomenal character. I mean, he's the ultimate Dr. Evil. He's been at this game for some 50 years. And here he is at the seemingly at the pinnacle of globalist society where people run to Davos to tell us how wonderful it is. But in the last year or two, 
it seems to have taken a different turn. John Kerry looks more and more like a crazed lunatic. Uh, one particular speech, he was talking about aliens and Al Gore each year gets crazier and crazier. So I wonder, what's your take on Klaus Schwab? You know, it's interesting that people like Jacob Rothschild mm. and Klaus Schwab and, and these other people are actually coming out into the spotlight and they're becoming known entities because the, the thing about the puppet masters are they're not supposed to be on stage. You're not supposed to see them. You're not supposed to know their names. The people who are really pulling the strings uh, have always wanted to remain anonymous. They don't want anyone to know who they are. They don't want to know uh, anyone to know that they are the power behind uh, the person on the TV screen. <clears throat> so it is interesting that a lot of these people who have always sort of been in the shadows are now coming out of the shadows. I think it shows a, a little bit of desperation. And look, they have used people like Barack Obama as their mouthpiece to convey their messages to the world. But think about what happened since Barack Obama. Has there been an American uh, politician who has been able to um, hypnotize people the way Obama did during his term in office. Look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden can barely find his way off stage. Uh, even with a teleprompter, he mumbles and stumbles his way through a, a five-minute delivery of a, of a message. He's, he's a total mess. They can't, these puppet masters are struggling to find anyone competent to go in front of a camera and convince the world of their point of view. So now some of them are having to come out of the woodwork and do the talking themselves because they're running out of puppets. The, the useful idiots are just not that easy to find anymore. No one's gonna believe Kamala Harris. People don't believe Gavin Newsom when he, whenever he talks. People instinctively listen to that guy and go, he's a lying piece of crap. So it, I, I think it's a little bit of desperation that some of these people are being drawn out onto the stage to sort of become the the talking uh, head, and it's really not not what they prefer to do. But I think they're being, they're desperate, and that they're running out of time, and they're running out of people. So it's therefore very, very clear, therefore, that they have certainly recognised that Donald Trump is the front man for a resistance, and that resistance is for one's own sovereignty, for one's own nationality, to be America first, MAGA, etc. So this looks, therefore, that either Trump was the perfect frontman for an organisation, or in fact, he must have the greatest crystal ball that's ever been created to know exactly uh, what's going on and to be the resistance. And of course, the thing about Trump and of course, disinformation is that people want to tell you that Trump's part of the team, and is just uh, the other side of this, uh, this Hobson's choice that we have and will be led down the path. And there are many different things that you can criticise him for, particularly uh, his attitude towards the uh, the vaccine, for instance, was uh, one that a lot of people have struggled with. Uh, I've decided to rationalise that by saying, well, if Trump had come out against uh, the vaccine at that stage, he would have been laughed off the off the world stage by being a, an anti-vaxxer. Heaven forbid uh, anyone mm -hmm. can ever criticise this one particular form of medicine. So he has to go along with it, but again, he has to force the mistake. If Operation Warp Speed was meant to go ahead, and Trump is, you know, he's the President of the United States, but he comes up with a very, very distinct name for it. And of course, it's meant to force errors. But at the same time, Trump has always said, it's your choice. You should never be forced 
forced to take a medicine. I want to get your take before we go to the break, Dave. What do you think or how do you read the Trump and, and the vaccine, putting that together for yeah, people? I, I, have a, I have a similar take uh, to, to yours. Look, uh, people say that, you know, that, that Trump is responsible for uh, the COVID vaccine. A, a president has never been responsible for authorizing the production of a of a, of a of a vaccine that's not what presidents do whenever the health care industry whether that's the NAID or whether it's you know whatever agency you know world health organization whenever the experts determine that there is a pandemic there is going to be a vaccine developed or two or three or four vaccines that's just how the system works president doesn't have anything to do with that Trump had no um, say in whether a vaccine was going to be developed for COVID. All he had the ability to do was put into operation a plan to mitigate the damage of that vaccine. And that's what he did because the plan with Fauci and the World Health Organization was to take this vaccine, slow roll it out like they normally do, go through all of the clinical testing, which usually takes four or five years. They were going to lock us down and close down the restaurants, close down businesses, destroy the economy, uh, lock us into our houses uh, because they were, we were waiting for the vaccine. And during that time, they were going to destroy the economy, destroy businesses, kill people. And when, and then when the vaccine finally comes out, they would then uh, mandate the vaccine. Trump, I think their their plan was to roll us out over about a 12-year period where they would just simply destroy lives, destroy nations, destroy economies, and then usher in their great reset. That was their plan. I think Trump saw that plan and he created warp speed to get this vaccine out there as quickly as possible. He told them, you have until November to get the vaccine developed out there, <clears throat> we will distribute it. You you have you have to have it done by November, and and in doing that, here's what happened: because the vaccine manufacturers had to roll it out so fast, they had to bypass a lot of the normal testing that you do when you roll out a vaccine. What does that do? They had to hide the adverse effects of the vaccine from the public, and and importantly. Uh, immunity from liability for damages to vaccine manufacturers is only provided if the manufacturer does not knowingly engage in dishonest practices. If they knowingly engage in deception, they're not covered by immunity and they can be sued. And I believe in the future that immunity is going to be removed and those who are damaged by the vaccines are going to be able to sue because the vaccine manufacturers covered up the side effects knowingly, and that removes their immunity. And I think that that may be part of why Trump got this and forced them to get it out so fast so that they wouldn't actually have immunity. It makes absolute sense to me, and I like to say it at a point like this in a conversation, enter Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who, if there is an election, is my bold prediction. He'll be Trump's attorney general after a long look around, and he'll settle on this independent politician. And I just think that that could be the catalyst in all of this. and It would make a lot of sense, but that's a conversation for a little bit later. We're going to take a break now and we're going to come back here on TNT Radio. I hope you're enjoying this interview with Dave Hayes, the praying medic 
on TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Who knew that we owed Hunter Biden such a debt of gratitude? Hunter testified before the House of Representatives today that his serving on the Burisma Board of Directors at $83,000 per month wasn't part of some elaborate political corruption scheme. No, Hunter's a humanitarian. Hunter did it for us. He was there to counteract Vladimir Putin. Leaving aside the fact that Boards of directors have absolutely no role whatever in geopolitics, even in Eastern European nations. The idea that Hunter was serving on that board, which he could offer no expertise, had no experience in the industry, the idea that he was doing it to contain Vladimir Putin, that's beyond ludicrous. Hunter put down the crack pipe, Pick up your paintbrush because you actually do have some talent as an artist. And that seems to be a much more profitable grift with all the money laundering into your artwork than getting these gigs thanks to your father's name and then having to kick 50% up to the big guy. Maybe play to your strengths, Hunter, and, and stop, stop embarrassing yourself, son. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my licence, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. Discussing local, national and international issues. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome back to Weekends. My guest this hour is Dave Hayes or Praying Medic. And before we cut back to Dave, I'll just give you the website, prayingmedic.com is the first website that you'll want to get to. And there's also another one, prayingmedic.org. And I'll let Dave explain that to you right now. What are the difference between the two websites, Dave? Yeah, prayingmedic.com is where you can find my articles, podcasts, videos, book links, uh, you know, audible books. All my information is there on prayingmedic.com. The other website, prayingmedic.org, is the home for our ministry. We have a nonprofit church ministry. So there's a lot of, there's videos and articles there, as well as uh, prayer videos for healing. I teach a lot on healing. Uh, I teach on the supernatural. 
uh, how to hear God's voice, how to see visions, how to interpret dreams, all of that. That information is on prayingmedic.org. Fantastic. So there's the two differences there, and I'm sure that there'll be people tapping into both to see what's going on. Now, I do want to get into um, in, into the books in just a moment. But before we do, I, I've got to ask you about Mike Pompeo. Very confusing character in all this, ex-head of the CIA, Trump's Secretary of State, seemingly did a terrific job. But then we all hit a brick wall when it comes to Julian Assange and the uh, idea there that, um, that now uh, Assange is obviously facing uh, the most horrific uh, situation that you could ever think of for just simply being a journalist and bringing truth to the matter. It seems whistleblowers do not get the uh, the credit that they deserve and, in fact, are punished for bringing truth. What's your take on Mike Pompeo? Yeah, well, like a lot of uh, research, Q researchers, um, I was pretty big on Pompeo. I actually thought he did a pretty decent job as Secretary of State from a person on the outside looking in, having never been you know, into the White House, into the State Department or the CIA, you know, I thought that he was doing a pretty decent job. However, after Trump left the White House, I started to see signs of things that were concerning that maybe led me to believe that Pompeo was not the person that he was pretending to be. And in fact, I I uh, read an interesting thread from a woman who worked at the State Department and in the White House, and she shredded Pompeo. She said, look, I worked with this scumbag. He is a deceptive snake. He's always been a deceptive snake. I watched him every day come into the White House, kissing Trump's ass, pretending to be on his side and supporting his agenda. He would then walk out the door and undermine everything Trump was trying to do. Uh, I thought that was a very interesting observation from someone who was an insider. The other thing that concerned me was when uh, Pompeo has actually been a very big supporter of funding the war in Ukraine which to me, not good. Uh, and then he considered running against Trump and realized he wasn't going to you know, beat Trump, called that off. And then, like you mentioned, um, he has been pretty outspoken about Assange and the idea that Assange needs to be you know, face to face the music. And we all know Assange is a journalist. All he ever did was publish information that was given to him by whistleblowers and leakers he has he has committed no crimes um for 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 pompeo to want him to face uh criminal charges is is really just kind of over the top so i'm not a, i'm not a fan of pompeo anymore isn't it interesting therefore that um you can then realize once again the nuance that politics is a blood sport it doesn't matter who's on your team the white ants or termites are in there and will do whatever they can in that situation so trump is able to use pompeo for certain things but realizing that he's been deceived one wonders therefore what trump would look like building a new administration between um you know genuine trump loyalists perhaps being able to promote people etc it's a fascinating yeah. take but of course we're still waiting to see if this election would, would come about. How do you see it? And uh, have you even had a thought about who his running mate might be? Yeah, there's a uh, there's an organization that's actually headed up by Johnny McEntee. Uh, Johnny McEntee was eventually got into the office of, uh, there's a presidential office of personnel that is in charge of hiring and administration of over 5,000 uh, appointed positions within government. That office was a mess when Trump came into it. There was a very swampy uh, culture. They got rid of 
some of the people at the top, Johnny McEntee came in, very good, very good, very faithful patriot, who started cleaning out a lot of the bad people. He and a number of other um, conservatives, I think the Heritage Foundation is working on this project. It's called Project 2025, and they are currently vetting people who are going to hopefully be put into the Trump administration on day one, and they will be able to immediately start draining the swamp. Um, the, the, the problem that Trump had coming in was it took him forever to get his appointments approved. He never did get a lot of appointments approved through through Congress. And I think this this next time around, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump actually makes temporary appointments for a lot of people and bypasses the Senate confirmation. Because a lot of the good patriotic people that he wanted to put in positions in the cabinet, they couldn't make it through Senate confirmation. The nice thing is for um, for certain cabinet positions, you can appoint an acting uh, you know, director of an agency. They don't have to go through Senate confirmation because they're just acting. That's what he did with Chris Miller and did that with uh, Rick Grinnell at uh, ODNI. So I think the second time around, if hopefully if Trump gets in, it's going to be a very different ballgame. Uh, he isn't. He he has said many times he learned a lot. He made mistakes the first time. He's not going to make those mistakes again. He's he is going to have his people in those positions, and they are going to be there to drain the swamp. And I'm I'm just I pray every night that that happens. Now that's where I wanted to go in the last few minutes that we have together today, Dave. Was that uh, most people watching along can't believe that this is eight years and counting, and of course, if Trump's elected and becomes president in 2025, it's almost 10 years since Bernie Sanders announced in April of 2015 that he was going to run for president. That is an incredible time—a decade in this political upheaval, this transition to whatever's coming. So. It becomes quite difficult for people on a day-to-day basis who are absorbing this information, information, etc. There seems to be, at some point, as much as you can absorb facts, there still has to be a level of a leap of faith or finding faith. And this, of course, is where you come into your own as the praying medic. What can you offer? And perhaps even we might even put some uh, some of your book titles on screen right now just to give people a, a chance. And I know that they're uh, very affordable. I think under $12 on Amazon, there's one of them there, Power and Authority Made Simple. And I think there'll be another one that will come up in a moment just to give you an example, Dave, uh, of the types of books. But um, what should people do? And perhaps even where do you suggest that they start if they want to get hold of one of your books? Yeah, the book that's on the screen right now, uh, or was on the screen, <laughs> Emotional Healing Made Simple. This one right here. Beautiful. Uh, that book uh, is, I published that in December. That was a much requested book. And it's a follow-up to a little booklet, a thin booklet that I published years ago on emotional healing. Um, this kind of, um, oh, gosh, the, the ups and downs of the news cycles, and we think we're finally making some ground, and then we get we suffer a big loss. There's, there's just the, the election in 2020 by itself, um, how everyone thought Trump was going to be reelected, and then we end up having Biden uh, inaugurated. That just took the wind out of a lot of people's sails, and it, it just black-pilled a lot of people. A lot of people lost hope, lost faith. There, I see people on social media every day. You say, America's done, the world is done, the bad guys won, it's over, we're not going to win. There's no way that we're ever going to beat these people. Uh, I don't believe that. And and if you have suffered um, heartache and frustration and disappointment 
and, and all of these negative emotions, the book Emotional Healing Made Simple is for you. That This book, um, I provide testimonies of how people have been healed of emotional trauma. Everything from uh, the symptoms of depression and suicidal ideation and hopelessness and fear, grief from losing family members. Um, testimony after testimony of how people have uh, been healed of this trauma and are living a life of joy and peace and hope and optimism. Uh, this the, the the process is is rather simple. However, in this book, um, I do go down the rabbit trail of um, healing survivors of satanic ritual abuse, and that is another level of emotional trauma. First book that I published years ago, uh, very very kind of a, a simple approach to it. This book is more in depth. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a full length book uh, that looks at all aspects of emotional healing, and a lot of people have physical symptoms of illness because they have suffered emotional trauma and they have evil spirits that are afflicting them and causing these illnesses. So you can actually, by going through emotional healing, you can you can be healed of physical injuries and physical injuries, physical illnesses as well. I have a lot of testimonies of people who've been healed of chronic back pain, chronic neck pain, headaches from by going through emotional healing. So I would highly recommend picking up that book. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's also on Barnes and Noble uh, on their website if you don't like Amazon. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and so are all my other books. Uh, I've got 20 books out right now that are, most of them are available on Amazon. Yeah, that's terrific. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that if you don't like Amazon, there's somewhere else to be able to purchase it. It's uh, it, it's a very odd thing, isn't it? But um, I mean, people do take this very, very seriously. Uh, we have a situation here on our social media in Australia that um, quite often people um, who have been doing this for as long as we all have, you know, approaching 10 years, but they will find someone that they don't trust. And then they will associate that person with anyone that they mix with and put the big shill title out there. And I find that uh, it, it's a case of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's a situation that um, disinformation is necessary. And uh, if you're advancing the cause in one way or another, it seems to advance the cause. But we can't keep thinking that the only way out of this is to be absolutely pure in what we're doing when we're fighting in a political blood sport in what what is going on here. This is a war, unfortunately. Um, it, It requires the art of war and it requires the ability to be able to dust yourself off when you get knocked down and get up and have another go. So it's perfect timing, I must say, Dave, that you're able to introduce us to your book, Emotional Healing. It's certainly recommended for anyone who's suffering. And it's certainly, I'll put my hand up and say that uh, I'll be a, a person purchasing that book this week. And I do say that about all the people that I interview with the books, of course, that I want to read the books. That's why you're invited onto the show. I was, of course, referring to the other book, Power and Authority, is the book that caught my attention, but that will have to be the subject of another day as we approach the end of the interview. Look, I just want to make a quick reference that when Trump was speaking to Zelensky, he called it the perfect call. I'm going to call this, Dave, the perfect interview. I can't believe that we've been able to talk after such a long period of time, but to be able to compare notes on so many things and realise that in this art of war that's going on, sometimes when you have to sell a vaccine into a pandemic and you call it Operation Warp Speed, there's more nuance in that situation. And the one thing that we learned about it was that we do have free will and a choice according to the world of Trump, which is what we don't have. So thank you, Dave, for being on the show today. It's been a great delight and and a great privilege to be able to speak to you. Yeah, thank you, Jason, for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. And I will come back on the show anytime you want. 
Well, that is a great thrill, and uh, I'll be putting my hand up to say, Dave, we will sort that out very, very soon to do that. We're going to have to take a break for news headlines, and when we come back, we're going to take a pivot back to Australia. I'm going to introduce you to Father Tony Percy and talk about his book, Australia, What Went Right, What Went Wrong. It'll be a great discussion after the break. Here is the news. We'll be back with more in a minute here on TNT Radio. 